thank God for all who have led us in worship today. We are in a sermon series called The Healing Savior. We're looking at stories of Jesus healing folks in the four Gospels of the New Testament. Today, I want to draw your attention to Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, and I will read this passage from the New Revised Standard Version. The title of my sermon is The Ministry of Stretching. Again, he entered the synagogue, and a man was there who had a withered hand. They watched him to see whether he would cure him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, Come forward. Then he said to them, Is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. He looked around at them with anger. He was grieved at their hardness of heart and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately conspired with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. Let us pray. Lord God, in this preaching moment, I simply ask that you would help me to speak your word. Help them to hear your word. And Lord, help us all to do your word. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. When I was in middle school, our PE teacher made us stretch at the beginning of every class session. He would have us stretch our arms. He would have us stretch our legs. He would have us limber up our torso, our necks, our whole bodies. He would have us stretch for a long time on the gym floor before we ever started playing basketball or softball or flag football or whatever. I did not like stretching one bit because it was uncomfortable and it was no fun. I wanted to go ahead and start playing. What a waste of time, I thought. But these days, I stretch a little bit before every pickup basketball game. And just last week, I stretched for a couple of minutes before I started a hike at Pocahontas State Park. I have come to understand that if I don't cultivate some flexibility, I won't be able to operate with agility. I bring up stretching because that's what the story in Mark 3, 1 through 6 is about. At the synagogue, Jesus encounters a man whose hand was withered. 
We don't know if he was born with this condition or if it was a result of a disease he had or if it resulted from an accident he may have experienced. The Greek term Mark uses to describe the man's hand literally means dried up. It probably indicates paralysis. An ancient non-biblical source called the Gospel of the Nazareans depicts this man as a stonemason who could not make a living without the use of both hands. Whether he was a stonemason or not, since most men worked manual labor jobs back then, the condition of his hand probably rendered him unable to work and therefore destitute. So this man had physical needs and socioeconomic needs. He needed healing so he could make a living. Fortunately, he had run into the healing Savior. But alas, it was the Sabbath day, a day when no work was to be done, according to Old Testament law. Observing this day of rest each week was considered extremely important because it was one of the Ten Commandments, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, and because it was a way that Jewish persons distinguished themselves from the Gentiles, the people of other nations who did not observe the Sabbath day. The Sabbath was considered so important that according to Exodus 31 and Numbers 15, Intentional transgressions of the Sabbath merited the death penalty. Practically speaking, lesser penalties were often enforced for Sabbath violations, but breaking the Sabbath was still a big deal culturally, morally, and spiritually. To break the Sabbath was to work instead of Resting, But since the Bible is not very specific about what constitutes work, ancient Jewish rabbis proffered numerous teachings along these lines to help people understand which activities were permissible on the Sabbath and which activities were not. Many of these teachings are preserved in the Mishnah, an ancient compendium of Jewish teachings. According to the Mishnah, healing was generally not allowed on the Sabbath. For example, people were not allowed to get out honey and put it on a sore on the Sabbath day. Nor were they allowed to set a broken bone or treat a dislocated foot. However, a key principle was whenever there is doubt whether life is in danger, this overrides the Sabbath. So even though something as simple as cooking an egg was prohibited on the Sabbath day, if a man was, say, drowning on the Sabbath, a Jewish person was supposed to jump in and try to haul him safely to shore, if at all possible. This would require a lot more work than cooking breakfast, but the ethic of preserving human life superseded Sabbath observance. On these grounds, in fact, one rabbi named Mattathiah Bar-Harish 
taught that a sore throat could be treated on the Sabbath because it might signal a sickness that could turn fatal overnight. The man's withered hand, however, would not lead to death within 24 hours since it would not be life-threatening to wait and treat him after the Sabbath, his case did not qualify for the exception clause concerning the preservation of human life. Therefore, if Jesus were to do any work to heal him, he would be violating the Holy Sabbath. Jesus tells the man to stand in the middle of the people up front. This is a striking moment. According to Bible scholar David Garland, this is the only healing miracle Jesus initiates without prompting. It's not like the story in Mark 10 where blind Bartimaeus caused a scene yelling out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. It's not like the story in Mark 5 when Jairus calls the scene by getting down on his hands and knees in front of Jesus and the crowds and begging Jesus to heal his daughter. No, at the synagogue, Jesus is the one causing a scene. Had he intended simply to heal the man, he could have taken him aside after the service and stretched out his hand subtly. Instead, Jesus is deliberately provocative. He's making an issue out of this because it's very important to him. After bringing the man in front of everybody at the worship service, he asks, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath? To save life or to kill? The people respond with silence, which makes Jesus mad and sad at the same time. Perhaps he had hoped to inspire compassion in the worshipers by bringing them face to face with human suffering. But their hearts, says the scripture, were hardened. It's important not to paint all first century Jewish people with one brush, but this particular group of worshipers on this particular day seemed more concerned about the minutia of Sabbath observance than helping a man in need. As the fourth century Christian leader Athanasius put it, if the man was withered in his hand, those who stood by were withered in their minds. Indeed, they had become paralyzed in their view of the law, inflexible in their understanding of the Sabbath. Their minds were dried up with rigid interpretations of Scripture. Jesus makes an issue of whether to help people on the Sabbath because the man's hand is not all that needed stretching. He sought to stretch the minds of the rigid religionists, even as he said to the man, stretch out your hand. I imagine this man fought back tears as he stretched out his fingers with newfound strength. Clearly, 
Jesus cared about him and his individual plight. One of the most compelling features of the gospel is that Christ cares for the individual like you, like me, like this man with a withered hand. Clearly, Jesus cared about the Sabbath as well. Although he makes a spectacle of healing the man on the Sabbath, in the end, he actually does not violate any law. He doesn't get any medicine out or make a potion or even touch the man to heal him. He simply tells the man to stretch out his hand. And it was no Sabbath violation to speak. Jesus was not seeking to break the Sabbath but to stretch those whose minds had withered in a drought of fastidious piety. He challenged them to stretch and see that compassion overrides ceremonialism. He challenged them to stretch and see that love outweighs piety. He challenged them to stretch and see that mercy overrides rigidity. Although Sabbath observance was a key marker of their identity as God's people, Jesus was trying to show them that the people of God help folks in need whenever and wherever they can. He was showing them there's often a way to maintain one's core values while simultaneously providing urgent healing assistance to persons in need. According to Jesus, when stringent spirituality undermines compassion, something has gone awry. When the formalities of faith overtake the very heart of the matter. Things must be set right again. In his book entitled Accidental Preacher, a Methodist Bishop Will Williman tells the story of when he first joined the Methodist Church. His mother took him to a weekly confirmation class, a membership class, every Thursday afternoon for a while. The plan was for all the students in this membership class to officially join the church on Palm Sunday. And on the Thursday prior to Palm Sunday, they were all scheduled to have their photo taken so that the photo could be put on the worship bulletin for Palm Sunday worship services. Well, when 10-year-old Williman arrived that Thursday for the photo session, the woman in charge of the membership class greeted him by saying, where's your tie? You were told to wear a tie. There's a photographer, a professional. Dr. Herbert is to have his picture taken with the class. The preacher, she motioned to the classmates who were already gathered there, saying every boy has a tie, even Stanley Storns. See? You were told. Williman was mortified. He froze. And then he darted out the door of the church and ran to the back parking lot. His plan was to wait by Dr. Herbert's parking space, and when he arrived, he would confess his sin to the preacher and bow out of the picture. But when the preacher pulled up in his light blue Plymouth 
Williman ran up to him, blurting out, Dr. Herbert, you don't know me, but I'm William Williman, and I didn't know we were supposed to have a tie, or maybe I forgot, or maybe my mom didn't tell me, but anyway, I don't want to be in the picture anyhow. Tie, said Dr. Herbert, why on earth would you be wearing a tie? Are you not preparing yourself for membership in the Methodist church? Yes, sir, said Williman. Well, son, I'm certain there are no requirements in Methodism for ties to be worn in order to join the church. No record of our Lord ever having worn a tie, and I know Scripture. Come along, the whole point of these ceremonials is to put you in the picture. When they reached the classroom where the students were gathered, Dr. Herbert and little Will Williman walked in, the woman in charge of the class said, everybody's here, nearly everyone has dressed for the photograph as they were told. Dr. Herbert said, what a beautiful group. I do have one request. Boys, please, no ties on a Thursday. Please remove your ties. And let's take that picture. As Dr. Herbert demonstrated so beautifully. Christ does not get hung up on the formalities of the faith. Christ does not want our fastidious piety or our rigid devotion to external markers as much as he wants us to love people, especially people like the man with the withered hand, and people who need medical care, people who have different abilities, People who are getting left out. People who are socioeconomically disadvantaged. Jesus brings their needs front and center in the worshiping community. And he indicates that there is no principle higher than doing good to others and loving our neighbors. In fact, he says elsewhere in the Gospels, that the two greatest commandments are to love God and to love neighbors. So whenever lesser rules compromise the rule of love, Jesus is not pleased. Listen, if we get up in the morning and get in our car with the Christian fish symbol on the back of it and drive down the road listening to K-Love Christian Radio and we get to the office and we greet every one of our coworkers saying, God bless you, God bless you, and for lunch, we go eat at Chick-fil-A, the Christian chicken, which I love. And then we go home and read all of Colossians, write in our prayer journal, go back out to church for Wednesday night supper, stay for Bible study and prayer meeting, go back home, watch a Gaither homecoming special and a sermon by Charles Stanley. And all day long, we've been too busy to help somebody. Jesus is stretching us. If we get more concerned about whether people dress appropriately for certain church activities than welcoming everyone with humble hospitality, Jesus is challenging us to stretch. If we're more concerned about church programming and institutional maintenance than we are about helping non-believers find their way to the baptistry and people in need find enough food to eat, Jesus is challenging us to stretch. If any aspect of our faith has blurred our focus on loving God and loving neighbor and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and helping people out who are struggling through life, 
Jesus is challenging us to stretch today. Jesus loved this John Doe with a withered hand. He loved him so much that he was willing to endure fierce opposition just to show everyone how important this man was in the eyes of God. He also loved everyone else at the synagogue, regardless of how hardened they had become to the way of love. He knew some of the religious and political power players had come to the synagogue to try to catch him in a Sabbath violation so they could prosecute him. Indeed, he knew their end goal was to kill him, which is why he asked, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save life? or to kill. Keeping the Sabbath was in the Ten Commandments to be sure, but so was do not kill. The Pharisees and Herodians at the synagogue were so consumed with opposing Jesus that they violated God's law by seeking to kill him. Jesus promoted the sacredness of human life on the Sabbath day, but they left the house of worship plotting a murder. And so we get our first foreshadowing of the cross in Mark's gospel. From this point on, Jesus' life is in jeopardy. There's a sense in this story that Jesus was willing to put his life on the line for one man with a withered hand. And ultimately, of course, he did. Mark 10, 45 says Christ gave his life on the cross as a ransom for many, including this anonymous man at the synagogue with a withered hand, as well as the Pharisees, the other worshipers, and the Herodians. After stretching God's people to see that compassion outweighs ceremonialism, after stretching their biblical interpretation to show that love overrules every other law, Jesus finally stretched out his arms on the cross. He stretched out to save us from our sins. He stretched out to show us the amazing grace of our mighty God. He stretched out to show that genuine faithfulness to God takes the form of self-giving love for other people. When Christ stretched out on the cross, he was stretching us to see the priorities of God and the truth of God and the love of God in a whole new way. He continues to stretch us today, even now. I've been feeling stretched looking at this scripture this week. Stretching makes us uncomfortable, yes. But it also makes us flexible so that we can bend toward others in compassion. Stretching makes us uncomfortable, yes. But it also limbers us up for a faithful walk with Christ. Stretching makes us uncomfortable, yes, but it also makes us agile in the ways of God, nimble in the ways of compassion, and skilled in the way of love. Amen.